2: Sarah Pascoe.
0: Hello, I'm Carrie Ad Lloyd. And we're weird about books. We love to read. We read too much. We talk too much. About the too much that we've read. Which is why we've created the The Weirdos Weirdos Book Book
2: Club. Club. Join us. A space for the lonely outsider to feel accepted and appreciated. A place for the person who'd
0: love to be in a real book club but doesn't like wine or nibbles. Or being around other people. Is that you?
2: Join us. Check out our Instagram, at Sarah and Carriad's Weirdos Book Club, for the upcoming books we're going to be discussing. You can read along. And share your opinions. Or
0: just skulk around in your raincoat like the weirdo you are. Thank Thank you for reading with us. We we like like reading reading with you. This week's book guest is Things I Don't Want to Know by Deborah Levy. What's it about? It's a living memoir about remembering the past, going on holiday and moving to
2: England. What qualifies it for the Weirdos Book Club? Well, it explores unique and utterly subjective life experiences. It's weirdly personal. In this episode,
0: we discuss sentences, South Africa, greasy spoons, sheds, divorce and fridges. And joining us this week is Catherine May. Catherine is a New York Times bestselling author of many books, including The Electricity of Every Living Thing, Wintering and Enchantment. And if you are into writing, she has an incredible newsletter called The Clearing, which you can sign up to as well, which I would thoroughly recommend. Catherine, thank you so much for being here. It is such an honour to have you here. Thank we you for Very excited. Me. I'm very excited to have you because you're an incredibly brilliant, proper, talented, proper, proper, writer. Writer. I know, proper writer. I do want to say it because I felt like, I didn't want to insult the other guests, but I was like, we've got a real writer. A uh, load of trash
1: they are. <laughs> I always think though that just means I can only do one thing and everyone else mm. is like multitasking.
2: But that makes me think, the trouble with the multi-hyphen thing yes. is, it, is that sort of many hats or many trades, whatever the... Jack of all trades, master of, tra- of none. Yes. Whereas say. when someone has one thing, it's like, because they're very good at it. Mm, they're the mm. best at yes. it. Yeah, so they're yeah. allowed. That's their job.
0: Well, I just thought, <laughs> I was multi-hyphen, and then, as you know, I got diagnosed with ADHD, and I thought, oh, no, it's not my... Mo- it's not like, oh, I'm just doing those things. You've got it. I was like, oh, no, I just can't. Yeah, stay doing one thing
1: still. without being bored. I'm a little like that too, but mm. I'm just not very good at anything other than writing. I <laughs> but really you're have tried very good
0: at writing. So that's handy. <laughs> um your books are amazing and I'm very excited to talk about the book we're going to talk about because Catherine recommended this book to me. Well,
2: that's what I was going to ask yes. about. So how did that happen? How do you know each other? Set up the scene. I didn't know you had other friends Carrie. out. It's know, fine. I'm sorry,
0: Sarah. This was at, at a book festival. Oh, guys. Because I've written a book, so now I'm allowed to go places that Catherine is. And, and did
2: you get introduced to each other? Did you just find each other? No, we already did, knew each other we
0: did. at this book festival. And we were yes. excited to see each other because it was like,
1: It was one of those walking into a green room and you don't know anybody. It was really nice because I really, I hate that green room thing when you're just sitting there and there's all the proper writers. I always feel like they're a club and I'm not. I don't know But you are one of the proper writers. I don't know anyone. I don't go to the parties.
2: (laughs) I I think probably probably every single person in that room feels like everyone (laughs) else belongs and they don't. I think that is... She's doing a good big sister job there.
0: (laughs) And then I got sent, I'd read Wintering, which I loved, Mm. then Catherine did the podcast, and then I got sent Enchantment, an early copy of Enchantment, Mm. and I was like fucking hell this is a good mm. book and i gave a <laughs> well, quote your quote
2: was about this is the book that everyone's your soul, soul needs, needs right now, right now. yeah because
0: yeah. i felt that it such yeah. a
2: good quote thank you
1: for that quote
0: well but i, it I a- felt it and then i realized someone explained to me there's when you get asked of a quote there's a bit of quote hierarchy is there and like oh, it was, as in like because what you put like as in and i didn't know that i had just genuinely meant that like i thought god this is the book your soul needs right now it's mm. it was so like after the pandemic and trying to reconnect and mm. i was like oh, everybody needs to read Enchantment. And then someone was like, oh yeah, it's a bit of a... Because it's like if you write a nice, you know, the way you express yourself... You have and, to... And then when they said, oh, you're," oh, yes, I saw you on the front. Yeah, and it's I was a good like quote. Oh, It is a good quote. But I didn't mean it in a cynical way is what I mean. I wasn't writing it like, oh, like, that'll get on the I front. I didn't take it like But that.
2: sometimes it's just about how famous the person is. So yes. they give a rubbish quote. Yeah. So they just pull one word. It's just that's dazzling. When you, but Stephen that's, Fry. Yeah,
0: that's a different kind of <laughs> He quote does a lot of racking. dazzlings. He does a lot yeah, of dazzlings. Does,
2: yeah, I does, yeah. think he's probably a really good friend
1: to have. Yeah. He's not a stamp. <laughs> Dazzling, <laughs> another one. Dazzling. Anyway, can we get back to the literary festival yes. because yes. we had spent some time together we, standing yes. in a fridge?
0: Oh, we did. It was so hot, <laughs> was and they let so us into hot. a fridge to cool down. It was, it was so. so it was this summer, and it was one of those boiling, boiling like so you couldn't hot. breathe. It was and a they, big fridge. They said, "Do you want to come in the fridge for a bit?" And we said, <laughs> yes. "Yes." And we went into the fridge. So hot. And then you sort of thought,
2: who are you reading? No, this
0: is such a long way of saying it. We were talking in the green room and then Catherine said to me, oh, you must read things. I Have you heard of things I don't want to know? And I wrote down on my phone, mm. Deborah Levy things I don't want to know.
2: And had you heard of Deborah Levy at no, all? No,
0: I hadn't heard of her at all. I hadn't heard of this book. And then I had a bit of a gap in our reading schedule for the show. Mm. And I was like, oh, I know. I want to read that one that Catherine recommended. Read it mind was blown could not could not believe it how have I never heard of her. Then I immediately bought Cost of Living, which is the second mm-hmm. in this installation. Then I bought Hot Milk, read that. Then I read the third, Real Estate. And I will tell you, I got to, I over-Levyed.
2: Mm. I, ha- yeah.
1: I was like, you reached Levy saturation. oh, I actually did. You
2: condensed your Levy. That's the thing. Yes. When someone uh, writes so well, I think you appreciate it more if you go off.
0: And I have to say, having read all three, I still think this is...
2: I think this is the, my favourite. I think the one you read first, though, because I read the second one oh, first. Oh, you Living first. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Oh, that's interesting. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to choose. No. No. That we was don't my have first of her non-fiction that yeah. I'd read.
0: But it, so that's how yes. I heard of this book. Yeah. Was I'd never heard of her before. Catherine recommended it, and then I was like, oh, my God. And then we said we should get Catherine on the show, and then I was like, we yes. should talk about the one that
1: Catherine
2: recommended. Catherine, how did you find it? Yes, Deborah
1: how did Levy? you find it? I had, for so many years, heard people talk about her, and you know... I don't know maybe this is just me but you get into a headspace where you're like I'm not going to read that woman that everyone's that's not about. just you That's I don't know why I finally picked them up but I think I realized they were short and I love short books like they are I really... light
0: it's a this especially this oh. one real estate is heavier this is such a light delightful
1: yeah. book I really have got a thing for short books I think we've really lost something in this race to have longer and longer books which is about waterstones appearance isn't it like they want a certain width of spine
2: oh. do they yeah. waterstones a <laughs> sizist <laughs>
1: about literature it's shocking it's really shocking and so particularly for commercial fiction now they it has to be over Does it used it? to be 70,000 words and now it's 85 because people buy fatter books and so the Bookstores demand what, uh, what to
2: stand on to get to
1: things. What do you
0: know what it is? It's so that your Instagram post probably you what? have the
2: books in the <laughs> background
0: <laughs> and people can see what the spine is. Whereas it's a small book, perhaps that's like they, why they made this such a stunning blue so that because you can really see it
1: from is, afar. Is it Eve's Climb blue? I think it, it does it's look like to it, to doesn't that. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so I, I love, I'm really passionate about short books. I think mm. they really matter. And mm. I think you can swallow them whole. And when I realised that she wrote short books, mm. my, my feelings changed. And then obviously I just raced through them. Yeah. I did them in order though. <laughs> I don't want to sound oh, yes. smug. So
2: you, so you hadn't read her fiction? I still haven't. But, oh, you haven't. Oh,
0: okay. oh, interesting. Yeah. I think I it's haven't. a really good, I'd recommend it's such a good compliment. Okay. Because the themes that come up... Yeah. come up in the fiction but mm. in a completely different way okay. and I felt like I, I felt like a friend that you mm. know quite well yeah. and then you read their book and you're like oh yes I see you, you've <laughs> gone into that have you Deborah yes very interesting so I, I've okay. only read Hot Milk but I, I, a lot of the stuff that she's yeah. referencing a lot of the time but for me this is this one is past it, it's about her past deep past it? Like the kind of origin story. cost of living is much more present and real estate mm. is, is future and what yeah. she's doing and
2: Really, literally taking it from the title, "Things I Don't Want to Know," because I found this book so not just moving, like uh, upsetting. Mm. Uh, I I was very sad for her and about the human truths she's sort oh, of the
0: yeah. life that she lived. We should yeah. say it was she was asked to write it by a small publisher as a response to George Orwell's essay "Why I Write," which was written in 1946. Yeah, so that's and the what,
2: answer is for Ford Fags (laughs) (laughs) by George Orwell much shorter a really short book that one Catherine (laughs) the trouble with how good she is at writing is that it feels like you're learning about humanity at points and that's Mm. really conflicting because some of it's so I don't know how we change it Mm. I don't know how we protect people from pain there was a. Oh, the pain. Um, the pain that she described. There's a, a, a tiny example of this, is towards the end, and it's a policeman. Oh, I mean, it's awful, but a policeman assaulting a child, punching oh. a child. Oh, God. Yeah. And it was so real. And the, so the power, the witch, the power, <laughs> she had, the power Deborah Nevia has with language. To not just make me feel like I have seen something, but mm. I have experienced it. I have been both characters. Yeah. And and afterwards, to be existing in a world where I just want to protect little boys, yeah. oh, protect yeah. all boys, and it's a racist attack as well. And so you've got a white, an older white woman reflecting back on a memory of something that she did see.
1: No, that somebody else, oh, somebody told, else that had described Chinese to her. Oh, it's the Chinese shopkeeper.
2: Um,
1: yeah, yes. had told to her, and she somehow reanimates it so vibrantly yes. that you feel like you're there.
2: Yes, there and wondering about that person now mm. and, and and whether they're okay and the ramifications of it. And, and just it just being just too upsetting.
1: But even as we're talking yeah. about it, it's hard to convey how lightly she handles those yes, things. Yes, I was going to say There's her, her writing. She doesn't freight yeah. it with anything. She doesn't tragedize it. She just shows you it and she knows that you'll understand, I think. Yeah. It's really... It's so intelligent. The whole thing is so yeah. intelligent. And she's yeah.
2: deft, isn't she? And mm, I think that's yeah. the thing about, you know, all of the hyperbole is the exceptionalness of her, the spareness of her writing. Mm. Because like you The wonder- spareness,
0: what she covers, like had the amount of stuff she covers in a small book mm. that someone else would take, you know, a, a mm. 1,500 pages to tell you and their life story. And it still be story. brilliant. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She writes this, um, one of my favourite bits. An example of how light she is with everything. When happiness is happening, it feels as if nothing else happened before it. It is a sensation that happens only in the present tense. Yeah. Mm. What a sentence. Yeah. It's so good. It's, it's so, so good. Her, at sentence level, she's yes. so kind of precise and yeah. crisp and gorgeous. Yeah, the gorgeous. preciseness. And then this is just a very quick. When I opened the doors of the worm-eaten wardrobe and saw the same four bent wire clothes hangers on the rail, they seemed to mimic the shape of forlorn human shoulders.
2: Mm. Mm. What's the point? What's the point I, of I writing? Don't don't she's bother, done honestly. it. <laughs> but you know when someone, you you look at all of the words in the sentence, go, these are all normal words. Yes. These aren't fancy writer words. Yes, she's words. not writing like, it's not it's over not the flowery. top. It's yeah. and, and, and that's the, the, the point I kept thinking. It's like, so, in, and I know, Catherine, because you write about your own experiences as well. Mm. Is there a temptation when someone can write to make the truth more beautiful? When you're trying to write hmm. truly what happened,
1: yeah. There's a writer
2: part of it where it must be tempting to,
1: to kind of writer yeah. it up. Yeah. I mean I think I think the discipline that I always try and practice is to like almost cut off before you land the whole the whole scene. Ooh. Um and to almost kind of give people a glimpse into it and then pull away. Because otherwise it begins to feel really heavy. And I think I always I'm always trying to avoid telling my readers how to feel almost. Mm. And so often if i get right through to the conclusion of a scene i'm i'm giving the whole response and i don't want to do that so i think it's about those glimpses for me mm. i do always write the whole thing when i when i'm doing my first draft but then i edit loads and loads mm. out i'd love to know what her process is because it feels very edited oh, I'd it love feels to to very the first edited mm. yeah because
0: it because it is so sparse and i think what you're describing sounds almost like it's like filmmaking isn't yeah. it it's like the shot has to show you what's happening and then cut away. You can't like zoom in on too much or be overwhelming the the reader. Yeah, But that's what, when you're starting writing, that's what you write because you're like, I want to tell you everything and yes. it smelled like this and they looked like this and then they said this and then they said this and, and you... the 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 maturity of this writing that it's like, I mm. don't need to tell you.
2: You're taking a reader somewhere and then you're letting them respond for themselves because you, you're not yeah. guiding their
1: response. Trying to give them some agency, yes. I think, within the process because... I always think that as soon as I've finished a book, I've handed it over to my readers. Mm. Like, I don't have control over that text anymore. And so I want them to actually do something with it. I don't want to dictate that too hard. I really want them to be able to feel like they've had some part in kind of co-making the story almost.
2: Um I'm going to ask another question now. This is sort of for myself. <laughs>
0: yeah, no, I feel like, so like we're getting little writing So Because I would
2: like to, and everyone who reads me, sit in their house and tell them what I meant and yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. to, to stop thinking other things. Um, have you ever had reader responses or, you know, people write online reviews and those kind of things now where you've gone, no, 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 no,
1: not oh, that. Oh, so many. Oh, okay. So, yeah, yeah, like wintering <laughs> continues to surprise me with that because people come and say, well, of course, it's a book about X. Mm. And I'll be like, it's a book about winter. Yes, <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. But by winter. Put it, put you, in in title, guys, when you stood you in meant, the fridge with Carrier. Yeah, <laughs> that was
1: a very wintry moment. Mm. Um but they'll say, like, it's a book about grief. It's a book about mm. my divorce. You know, it's a bu- and in fact there was someone who came up to me the other day and said, Oh, you got divorced during wintering. And I was like, No. <laughs> and, News to me and, and to I, him. Yeah. And she said, But that's what it's about, isn't it? And I was like, no, there's absolutely nothing mm. anywhere in that book that suggests That would is so interesting
0: that. because it is about winter, yeah. and it is about wintering yourself. Yeah, that it's such a that's such a huge hum, human experience that everyone can place whatever they that's want right. to on it's it. It's like
1: a big bucket full of mm. snow, and people just dunk their thing in it, which yeah. used to bother me, and now I find that kind of cool actually. <laughs> yeah,
0: having read wintering and enchantment, that I feel like you can see your writing in Enchantment moving towards that even more. And it does remind mm. me of this, of like the gaps it it leaves yeah. for the reader, which yeah. I think you need a confidence as a writer to do that, to be like, I am going to tell you something and I'm going to trust that you're going to have another thought. Mm. I think when you start writing, you're like, no, no, you won't understand. You won't get it. I need to tell you everything. And yeah. that's, especially in this book, the gaps she leaves in these stories yeah. are like the, especially, you no, know, so she she grows up in South Africa, it's apartheid. Her father is imprisoned um, for working for the, the ANC, and the gap she leaves sometimes of like, oh well, we called our maid Dandiwe, Way, um, but everyone else called her this. Yeah, and the yeah. gap of like, I don't need to say now, it's but incredible. you know, you understand. Like, I just there's think a, that's such a confident when her
2: her father is sort of arrested by the secret mm. police in the night, and this is so evocative. Yeah. You know, she's describing. The Suitcase, her father is packing, and the men who've coming, da da da, the policeman smoking. Dad is trying to smile at me. So, you don't need to go into <laughs> chapters of like yeah. what he felt in his head or what she felt. Yeah, that yeah. is trying to smile so at me. Good. His five year old daughter, mm. such good writing. It's, 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 yeah, you could write an essay about what is said by that line said, yeah. unexplicitly. She says as well, It's just
0: a bit about her writing, about writing. She says, um, her other message was that emotion, which always terrifies the avant-garde stiff upper lip, is better conveyed in a voice that is like ice. As for the strategies a writer of fiction might employ to unfold the ways in which her characters attempt to defeat a long-held wish. For myself, it is the story of this hesitation that is the point of writing. Before you try and do something, that's what she's writing about, that hesitation. And that just blew my mind as well. Mm. Like, she's talking about mm. gaps, mm. The moments of pauses, yeah. Beckett had yeah. this
2: a theory that there's this sort of blankness that happens where you're you, you know, almost almost staring into space, but it's a moment where you're completely sort of frozen, mm. just in a moment, thinking mm. about nothing. And that's what he was trying to create with his oh, writing because God. he was so frustrated <laughs> that in that moment you couldn't actually describe yeah. how and what you were feeling. Yes. And he thought it was such an important thing because, again, that gap, that space, he yeah. was like, that's where the humanity lives. Yes. That's where the actual human experience is, mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. the distractions.
0: Yeah, well, you're processing p- something in silence, aren't you? Like, yeah, daddy, Dad tried to smile at me. It's like you can hear the child, what she's understanding, what she's not understanding, what the dad mm. is being like. There's so much in that. It's just...
1: It's incredibly done because it could have been such a melodramatic yes. moment. Like, my yeah. dad was mm. taken by the the police yeah. in South, in apartheid South Africa. Yes. Wow, It could
2: be noisy, it could be yeah. stomping and screams yeah. and crying. and. But it's yeah. like
1: 100 pages into the book, into yeah. a 150-page book. I mean, it's she doesn't reveal that to us for the longest time. Ooh. And it
2: is so important to the answer of like, because he, the Chinese shopkeeper has asked, he said, oh, you're a writer. Yeah, and where mm. are you from? That's yes. the question. Where are yeah. you from
0: that everyone knows she's not English, mm. but she sounds English. She came over as a teenager, so she sounds English, and obviously English is her first language. But trying to answer that question of where are you from when she knows she's from Africa, and that's mm. you know describing like moving to Finchley. Oh, there's and, that
1: bit where she talks about like I miss flowers yeah. I don't know the name of and birdsong that I don't, I don't know, know how to name the bird, yeah. you know, and yeah, there's another gap. It's mm. all about
0: yeah the gaps. the gaps of those things. We should talk about the incredible way she describes motherhood Mm. she is astonishing on motherhood those that's the bit i think when i really fell in love
1: with this book when i was just like oh shit (laughs) um i was a moment ago i was hunting frantically for the bit in the playground
0: oh this i think i'm gonna read it it. yeah she says um i found myself thinking about some of the women the mothers who had waited with me in the school playground while we collected our children Now that we were mothers, we were all shadows of our former selves, chased by the women we used to be before we had children. Oh, I found that bit like piercing Mm. of like the shadow of yourself. We didn't really know what to do with her, this fierce, independent young woman who followed us about shouting and pointing the finger while we wheeled our buggies in the English rain. We tried to answer her back, but we did not have the language to explain we were not women who had merely acquired some children. We had metamorphosed, new heavy bodies, milk in our breasts. Only programmed to run to our babies when they cried into someone we did not entirely understand. Like <sighs> if you're, if you are thinking about having children, yeah, and you I think want, you like... just
2: made a lot of people get their tubes tied. Yeah. <laughs> 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 a lot of Sorry, listeners. Well, there's a real plunge in the birth rate after Carrie had read out that quote. <laughs> yeah, but there's condom guess... sales have gone through the roof.
0: It's yeah. just like I read that it was like the the feeling of reading exquisite writing is pleasure and pain. And that's how I feel because I feel recognised.
2: Did you feel that there was a huge truth in that sentence? Oh,
0: if you've been a play, if you're at playground mum stage, when you're with all these women and all you do is talk about children and you know, <laughs> toilet training and ear infections mm. and who's going to ballet class, and then you occasionally get glimpsed where you ask them, "What do you do?" And they're like, "Oh, I'm a geneticist mm. and I work on sick children and helping them recover from diseases that no one's ever cured." And you're like. What? Mm. (laughs) But all I've ever heard you is talk about where it's the best place to get age three to six months closed because they're hot. Like the way you lose yourself as a mother. Um, Have
2: you read um, Marianne Levy's collection of essays? Which is um, don't forget to scream.
1: Oh yeah, there's yeah. an amazing yeah. one
2: about how the infantilizing language of all of the stuff, oh, which yeah, means that yeah. you're an intelligent person, now talking about a bugaboo, <laughs> a, a, a bugaboo, and a toothy peg. well can I read this bit because
1: that's that's exactly the bit that I wanted to read from from Deborah because she captures that for me, like the the enemy that is created by that language as you're standing absorbing it. So something strange happened to the way a particular group of the women I met in the school playground used language. They said words that were childlike but not as interesting as the words children made up. Words like groany, moany, smiley, fabby, cheery, veggie, sniffy... (laughs) And meanwhile, the Chavs in the playground, which she calls Chavs, and I'm from Chatham, so I'm like the only community that's actually allowed to use Mm -hmm. the word Chav, so I'm owning that one. We invented it for a very particular reason (laughs) and we are going to carry on using it. Um, the chaps in the playground had less money and less education and ate more chocolate and crisps and other nice things they said words like oh my god I didn't know where to look <laughs> in the balance I thought they were the more exciting words yeah.
0: yeah I love that and then she keeps coming back to that phrase oh my god oh my I didn't god. know where to look mm. and the way she starts imbuing it with this like weight mm. of these things that have happened to her and you're like she's right there's a truth to that sentence that isn't in the veggie snippy <sighs> groany moany like yeah. yeah I just think the way she deals with motherhood in such a kind like a scientist like she's like a botanist like pulling it apart pulling mm. the leaf and the stamen mm. apart and showing you <laughs> it but there's still a joy to that hopefully mm. people will immediately run to the condom shop I think there's
2: I think there's I know, look I'm not an experienced mum but I think like many things lots of things are true at the same time yeah yeah you know you catch catch you on the, the right day minute of the day hour of the day you might feel a very different, like motherhood is constant. I don't fit the thing that mm-hmm. I think is
0: interesting about it is I don't feel sad or happy about her explanation. I just she's just truthful. Yeah, that's what I like this about it because it's just like there's not it's not a judgment. Mm. Particularly as we, we've been talking about other writers that are more judgy. I feel like there's just a truth of like mm. this is what happens. We become women. We become if you do m- make that choice, if you're able to make that choice, become a mother, and your former self is constantly standing next to you, going, "What." what happened I, I wonder
2: though okay just to be slightly contrary it, it, it depends a lot about who you were and what you were doing before you mm. become a parent yeah i think it must be a huge struggle if you're a creative person yeah who then has all of the limitations of having to care or caring but there are other people who have an experience of enrichment of stepping up a lot of becoming who they are or who they want to be,
1: yeah. But that's it's I mean. a liberation for some people, yes, isn't it? I was yes. so conscious of that, and I, I mean, I think that passage for me really took me to this moment in the playground that I really realised that I'd grown up among the working class mums and not the middle class mums, and that their culture and the whole way that they raised children was so alien to me. Like the whole way they talked about their children, the way they, the way it became so competitive mm. so quickly. The way that you were never allowed to like let in a glimpse of, of like your own degradation, <laughs> which I was feeling a lot of the time. Um, it I think there's that real sense of like where you come to motherhood from mm. and what you're trying to escape and what you're trying to run towards seriously dictates your experience. Yeah, it.
2: and expectation must be a really huge That's thing huge. because how you imagine parenthood to be is based on no evidence. Mm. <laughs> it's it's guesswork. Yeah. And the, and the reality can be really surprising.
0: But that's what I, that's what I mean. I don't yeah. think there's a judgment of it of like it can be positive or negative. Yeah. I think she's just saying that when that you change, you yeah. metamorphosize mm. into something, and there's another person you were. I who, see. That, so I, that's what I like yes. about it. It's, it's it wasn't
2: the the past person was you know stronger, better, faster. No, no. And now you're this. I yeah. think that's she, she's
0: that's what I love. Is it feels like it's there's she's not damning you for mm. feeling anything she's not damning you if you feel liberated or mm. if you enjoy motherhood and she's not say oh you know it's awful it's so fucking hard she's just saying you change so irrevocably that your past self will not recognize you but they will mm. be there slightly haunting you because they won't understand what's happened to you and mm. you sort of have to look at that other woman and be like oh yeah <laughs> this is this is it i've crossed a have crossed a different divide and she says um Yes there'd been many times I called my daughters back to zip up their coats all the same I knew they'd rather be cold and free. Mm. Mm. And again for me it's like there's just the truth of trying to care mother whatever however you experience it in this in this life of like trying to protect people who also don't want your protection. Mm. And I think she's just 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 showing you what it is yeah. without Without giving you a kind of like, that's bad or that's good. It's just, that's how they talk. That's how they don't talk. Mm. And I think Mm. the gaps she leave enable all three of us to have completely different reactions to her writing. I think think it's about
2: her divorce in winter. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's what I've got. Hiring
0: for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank.
1: That's what interests me about the... Because it's framed by this visit to this hotel in Mm. Mallorca, isn't it? Yes. That seems like the coolest hotel ever. (laughs) I don't know why it seems cool, because it seems kind of not all that comfy, but there's something about it that seems very kind of bohemian to be there. And she never once makes mention Mm. of leaving her kids behind, which is so unusual. Mm. And I found that really refreshing. Like, she goes out there and is just... She's just there to be for a while. Is she goes to Mallorca it's where George Sand went mm. to have an
0: affair with Chopin and I would like to just sub-note if that interests you there's an oh, incredible yes. book called Briefly a Delicious Life we which, will do that
2: on another episode
0: which goes full into that story so having read that and read about George and um, Chopin and what happens in Mallorca and then reading her take on it going to the hotel and the Mallorquans hating George Sands because she slagged them off and <laughs> she said they were horrible and disgusting and she's in that hotel sort of experiencing another woman who had left there to try and write mm. and had had but this time had taken her children had this mad experience so she's sort of walking in the shadows of other writers mm. but Just to flick
2: the other way um, the, the book Mattressants which you say I pronounced wrong it might not be how it's pronounced by, by Lucy Jones the book, I didn't say you pronounced wrong No, no, right. when I told you about the book before I, How should I might, you say it? I don't know. Oh. It's, a, it's a word oh, that we ma- don't reuse. Oh, no, I didn't
0: know if it was matriescence or matriessence. Yes, oh. and it's
2: probably one of those. Somebody gonna, said I'm to me matriessence. Matri- <laughs> so which is the changes that happen to you with, um, you know... Giving, like adolescence, giving but birth. the motherhood version. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it's such a fantastic book yes. in much more detail, that, um, uh, which, which actually proves the point that you could take one of Deborah Levy's sentences and write an entire book about it because it is about what's happening on a cellular hormonal level on a nature level, Mm. to the body to make you obsessed with your children and care about them. Mm it's not imaginary <laughs> that, 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 you, that your your brain changes and you are physically changed in order mm. to, to do a better job
0: we're giving you a sub reading list to the reading the already quite yeah. heavy so reading list so you start list. with this
1: book that's <laughs> the terrible then, thing about books I know, they, they spawn and, <laughs> but, and, and
2: and buying books that everyone's to read pile gets bigger and bigger and eventually yeah. topples and kills you <laughs> and mine, that's what happens mine
1: takes on an air of menace about once every three or four months and I have to yeah. like throw you know, do you take some to
2: the charity shop? I do.
1: That's what I yeah. do. I have
2: a really honest apology to them. I'm so sorry. I really intended to. Mm. I don't think it's going to happen yeah. for us. Sorry, David Foster get- Wallace. It was a phase. <laughs> it was a how, phase. How many
1: times have you attempted the David Foster Wallace?
2: <laughs> well, that's what is Also, I bought too many of them. Oh, God, um, you don't get more than one? I, yes, I bought several.
0: Oof. Those are weighted. If you need to stand on something... He's there for you. <laughs> His essays
1: collection is great, though. Yeah, that's what I've got for the essays. Oh, yeah, yeah, There's several be... essay collections, oh, was there? unfortunately. And they've all got <laughs> oh.
2: fantastic titles, and you think, well, I that's like disparity. the first one on a cruise ship. I'll read them all. <laughs> you won't, Sarah. Take them to the charity shop.
0: <laughs> you have an extraordinary amount of books sent
1: to you, though.
2: And so, they're tax deductible. So I, I, also, I buy even more.
1: I'm yeah. a sucker for anything tax deductible. I just yeah. I feel like I'm just giving one in the eye to the man every time I buy a book. <laughs> exactly.
2: <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm saying this to anyone listening. Imagine you have a job where you can deduct stationery and oh. books. It's, and that's it your job. And that's not illegal. The other thing about this book is she
0: covers so much. So, you know, we we go back to South Africa. We go back to growing up in West Finchley. Mm. I'd like to also point out that a large amount of our books reside in North London that we've I talked loved, about. I, I
2: loved it in the second one because she's walking up and down near where we live in Hi- Highgate Hill.
0: Yes, yes. yeah. She's a real North London girl. Mm. Or, and the best people are. Um, but she also then goes to back to South Africa and then yeah in Mallorca with this the Chinese shopkeeper that she is
1: and the hotel owner Maria the the second Maria in the book who is having this very subtle kind of escape we think and there's this relationship between Deborah and Maria that is very unspoken I love that
0: Yeah. And also, again, coming back to silence, like she sees Maria sobbing, but says nothing. And even though they both know it's happened, Mm. they're both kind of happy to acknowledge Mm. we don't need, we're two women that don't need to know why you were crying. Just like a sort of nod (laughs) of like, yeah,
1: I see you. (laughs) But then goes on to do this very intuitive thing, which is to pay for her room to Maria in cash, which gives Maria this. Yeah. Sort of freedom. It's like letting the budgie go. Mm.
0: Yes, I wanted to talk about that. Yes, she, the amazing section where she she gets sent away um, because obviously the mother is obviously extremely traumatized and stressed. The husband's been taken away. There's a baby brother, and she gets sent to a school friend of her mum's, who seems completely mad, mm. and is sent to a convent school where they don't think she can read or write. So they're just she doesn't
1: speak. She, she goes doesn't completely speak. Mute. Yeah. And
0: there's that amazing bit with this nun. Again, what I love about this bit, so she gets sent to the convent school. You think they're gonna be awful, but that one nun mm. is sort of a subversive nun. Yeah. She says something like, Oh, should I speak to God? And um the nun doesn't say anything. She's like, That's when I that's when I first understood to read between the lines. <laughs> and you're like, Oh, mm. like the characters that she meets and the the mother that she sent to live with, her daughter, um, the incredible Melissa, who is this
1: bleach blonde <laughs> beehive, beehive yeah.
0: covered in makeup, is really sexual, is kind of... Has a bre- secret boyfriend. Has a secret boyfriend who's oh, not white. I
1: had to look up what Bunny Chow was after oh, reading it because yeah. she takes the young Deborah for a Bunny Chow, which apparently is like a lamb loaf curry thing, isn't it? in a loaf of bread. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you kind of collapse the whole thing and it all mushes up together. It's supposed to be very nice.
0: Yeah, and she's like, but she's kind of... I mean, she's an absolutely typical, sort of cliché big sister in a way that she like takes her out, gives her makeup, tells her what like what life's about, but also screams at her and is horrible to her mm. occasionally. Yeah, yeah. But like when she describes, say, you know, when they finally her father is released and they go, they leave um, South Africa to come to England, and it's Melissa who waves her off and sort of says to yeah. her, "Always speak loudly." This sort of amazing. Mm like the character that she describes, again, in very little words, really. Mm. I wonder what's happening to Melissa. Now. I, I wanted to know about Melissa. I wanted that. But isn't it such a good book when you want,
1: you want more, but you're also happy that you just knew enough? I loved that bit where Melissa came to waver off on yeah. the boat because Melissa would have had to have flown across from Durban. Yeah. And it's so unspoken, but Melissa just turns up. I loved it. And they're all throwing loo rolls off the <laughs> Yeah,
0: they t- off the you boat. Oh, they, give loo you roll give roll to hold end, don't you? Yes, so that you hold onto it. And as the boat goes away, they're holding onto your loo roll and it gets longer and longer. I mean, longer.
1: not great from a pollution point of view, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I did
2: strangely think that, moving.
1: I guess at different times, different times, different, different, different times, times <laughs> yeah. How often um, in this podcast are you required to say different times? Quite a lot. Yeah. Well, there's yeah.
2: so many books that we've read and we reread and... um have to start the episode by going, so sorry about the language in this book. Things were different in 2003.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even 2005, you're just like,
1: oh, wow, yeah. Yeah, it's things changed. have changed a lot, really yeah. quickly, haven't they? Yeah, it's really, not- yeah. But then-
2: it's scary as a writer yeah. you start thinking, well, hang on a minute, I wouldn't do that, would I? But imagine. But if I you think are. that's
0: us confusing time again because. yeah it's actually 20 years ago. I know. And
2: if no, I'm not confused. <laughs> no, I meant but I if know you what read, year it is. if
0: you read something in the 70s and then you read something in the 50s you would not be surprised at how different they were. But there's something about no. our time that we're yeah. like 2005 was yesterday whereas like if I gave you a 1950 book and then I gave you a 1970 book. You'd be like, "Well, yeah, the language is very different. The Do woman is speaking differently." Oh,
1: I, I watched Bridget Jones's Diary the other week on the mm. plane, Oof. and it, it was shocking. Really, <laughs> was yeah. it? Yeah, I mean, the level of sexual harassment that woman endured oh, from literally yes. every man yeah. she comes across yeah. was just unremarkable. Yeah, at the and time. It's, it's
2: been reframed, hasn't it? Yeah, wow. Rather <laughs> well, than like, oh, what women have to put up with. Yeah, yeah.
0: It was. Like, I think the 90s oh and the 80s. Yeah are coming into stark contrasts. And and the worst history is always the things that's just happened. Mm. You know, like something 40 years ago, you could go, oh, well, they were different people. But something sort of that immediate, like, well, I remember it. I lived in it. Suddenly looks really like how... Because you remember yeah. thinking it was fine. And you remember watching Bridget James' diary and thinking, yeah, that's
1: normal. It was pretty funny. That's funny that women have tits and people shout at them. I mean, my son's watching Friends. Oh, God. And Ross is just screaming classic abuser all Mm. the time. Like, everything he does, he's obsessed with enforcing gender, he's Mm. controlling, he's manipulative, he's a sulker. And I just, I watch it thinking this did not land on me at all at the time. In no way did that present itself to me as offensive I thought it was annoying but I wouldn't have gone out with him but.
0: yeah it's like fashion like the worst fashion you can sew someone is to remind them of what they wore about seven years ago because it looks like oh god oh no Whereas if you showed them something they wore 20 years ago they'd be like oh yeah well you know I was a kid I, I was know. younger
1: my eyebrows 20 years ago were really disturbing <laughs>
0: what did you do they <laughs> they were just
1: a little overplucked. Uh, yeah
0: the 90s the 90s the 90s basically were the 1920s for eyebrows yeah they we went back to the 20s but no one told yeah. us at the time that's what was happening happening and there's a lot of women still scarred by those eyebrows yeah because they didn't grow
1: back
2: I was really lucky that um I couldn't bear pain <laughs> oh, so you didn't did, yeah well I tried shaving them twice <gasps> yeah
1: hard to be accurate and they doesn't. grow back oh no you're not
2: accurate you have gaps some people don't our, grow back <laughs> you have six or seven eyebrows by the end <laughs> <laughs> like ice that's how it happened yeah
1: it. no not iced tea what's his name vanilla ice then
2: bleached mine with Jolene because oh, a friend yeah. with a moustache said I should just bleach them and then I looked like I had no eyebrows.
1: <laughs> That's now in fashion, though. Is it? Yeah, That's a thing a now.
2: But it makes people do double takes at you. If you look they're like, what's weird about you? It's like, she oh, I joleneed I jo- I jo- <laughs> jo- my eyebrows. Don't That's worry. what's weird and about it. And then they me. grew back and had roots on my eyebrows.
1: Wow. Eyebrow
2: roots. Yeah, really, I was a really busy teenager. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't they want my beauty substack?
1: <laughs> I now think about, you know, my... Teenage practice of dyeing my hair a different color every week, and think, "How did you get the time and oh, the energy the time, yeah. and like all that scrubbing the bathtub afterwards oh, yeah. and
0: ruining oh. towels?" There is an oh, amazing bit where towels. she talks about um <laughs> you getting us back on course. I, I am. am getting <laughs> us back on course. Because, no, to fitting when she describes um her M- Melissa's friend who. Oh no, sorry. This is her friend that she meets in England who wants to be Liza Minnelli.
1: Oh, yeah. And she
0: describes on the weekends, I painted her fingernails with sparkling green nail varnish to turn it into Liza so she wouldn't always have to be Judy, whose father had died in England when she was 12 years old. And actually, I think that's exactly Mm. what we're talking about as a teenager. You are desperately trying to not be who you are. And so she's describing like, you know, she she sits in cafes and and wears a black beret and tries to write because she thinks that's what writers do. And her friend, who she sort of gets on with, doesn't really know, just wants to be Liza Minnelli from Cabaret and wears fishnet tights and velvet. And everyone knows she's just trying to be (laughs) Liza Minnelli. But the things the people that you try on as a teenager Mm. and that's what you have the time and energy because you're
1: and the level of obsession yeah i was trying so hard to be cap yelland out of babes in toyland and then i met her and she's literally four foot nine (laughs) and i was you know i was six foot when i was 12 (laughs) (laughs) and i thought i'm never going to pull off this look it's not going to happen who did you want to be who was the one you wanted to be as a teenager
0: or was it just robbie williams wife
2: yeah I met Deborah Levy and um, I got, so, I th- I, so I have this, uh, I have some shame. So I read Hot Milk because it was nominated for the Booker Prize yeah. and I was asked to interview the Booker Prize authors. Someone was, must have been busy. And um, Deborah Levy was actually, that green room thing, she was incredibly kind to me because it was a green room full of... Uh, She's got two daughters. Book, well, that's what she came over and yeah. she said, my daughters know who you are, Was Aww. what she said. Aww. So she thought, sort of very sweet and very nice. And mm. then I had this shocker of interviewing these Booker Prize authors, Carrie this story, uh, and then she didn't talk to me afterwards in that way. But if you've had a bad gig, people don't m- meet your eye. So no judgment on Deborah, but it means that now loving her writing so much, I'm having to blank the bit when we have any history. I'll start all over again. I'll tell her my but name. But also
0: you don't know, maybe she felt like she'd had a bad gig as she well. She didn't, she smashed it. Did she smash
2: it? Yeah, she did because she's a human being. <laughs> she's a writer who's good at talking about writing as well. Oh so wow. she was she was very good.
1: Do you know what? I saw her at a literary festival a couple of weeks ago.
2: And we I are so
1: s- fan- girls by the yeah. way I, I,
2: club. Yeah. I was like dragged right her into the fridge <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I didn't get the chance but I would have done Like, let's be clear
0: this one was written as the response to the George Orwell essay and I wonder if I wonder if she it, as I said it was a small press that did it and it became extremely like, wow. people were like oh this is amazing and I wonder if Cost of Living was then commissioned after that mm. and then real estate as well so I wonder if originally mm. it was supposed to stand alone because it just feels like such yeah. an incredible
2: well, yeah. cost of living, I read first. And the reason I read it first is because Biddy Piper put it on her Instagram. Oh. And it was a very obtuse way of speaking back about. To her ex, oh. who was in the press a lot, yes, she posted recommending yeah. Deborah Levy's book about her divorce. Yes,
0: Cost of Living is about the divorce. Yes, yeah. and yeah.
2: recommending it, so it was a way. Cost it, of it, Living it really is
0: about a divorce. Yes. That's, yeah, yeah, that's not yeah. A, that's not a reading into Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just it's some weird interpretation. It. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah, it's the squirrels start collecting their nuts <laughs> for the divorce. <laughs>
0: This is my conquer. <laughs> I have the tree first. I would say things I don't want to know is childhood. Absolute childhood. Cost of living is like middle age, going through divorce. And then yeah. real estate, actually, the reason that I didn't connect with it as much is about... It's about life as now you're a very successful author. <laughs> oh, but I'm gonna I'm gonna make
1: a case for it because it's about well, that. you're a successful
2: author, yeah, yeah, I thought yeah, you gonna yeah. make a case yeah, for yeah. it. Yeah. But
1: but it's about It's still that, good. I still loved it. It's mm. about that need for a, a, a space of your own. I think yes. I, that really spoke to me. That yeah. sort of am I ever gonna own anything that I can pin down? And despite all my worldly success, despite mm. I'm you know, I'm acclaimed all over the world, she's definitely not concealing that. But she's still cannot have that ha- that fantasy house that we all ultimately have in yeah. our head and hers has got a tiled fireplace oh, it's i like, it's
0: by the sea it's got a fireplace shaped like an egg <clears> it's got jacaranda oh, trees it like egg. it's that's got all right. of this stuff but she's sort of like in a shed in North London yeah and she's someone also, else's shed she works in someone else's shed, shed and she's I constantly love. having meetings with film executives who keep going so the female character <laughs> and then she'll have this meeting where she's like do we who is the female character do we love them and that like she just watches their faces go mm. blank because mm. they're like, "We want you to do a version of Hot Milk, basically. Like, how do you?" Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so it, it, I have to say, it's still a brilliant Loved book. it. But there's something about this one, even rereading it, that I just was like,
1: f- you know, when a writer is absolutely just Peek. well, this is classic magic. memoir, isn't it? It, mm. it really is about the unearthing of a childhood trauma. Yeah. Mm. It's it's directly that and the it's formative a formative event. Yeah. yeah. <gasps> An <gasps> egg-shaped
2: fireplace.
1: <laughs> I'm still, yeah. I've been trying to picture yeah. that ever since I read it. I can't picture it. I
0: can't picture it. And then she describes like carrying an egg around with her, doesn't she? So she's yeah. like making her own version of it and these talismans that kind of what they mean and what does home mean and all of this stuff. It is. It's brilliant. Her writing is brilliant. Do you have a last line at
2: all? I don't no. Sometimes we choose a last line. I did I love I loved actually the stuff about this was it actually really reminded me of being a female comic actually. When the Chinese shopkeeper says you're a writer, aren't you? And it would have been such a long answer, she says, but it would be something like this. When a female writer mm. walks a female character into the centre of her literary inquiry or a forest and this character starts to project shadow and light all over the place, she will have to find a language that is in part to do with learning how to become a subject rather than a delusion and in part to do with unknotting the ways in which she's been put together by the societal system in the first place. It continues, but the female nature of being mm. a woman's writer writing about women mm. and the aspect that that... Constantly has. Um, she just writes about it in, in a really intelligent, thoughtful way. She's so yeah. intelligent. So intelligent.
0: How can we have her for <laughs> dinner? To I know. She's <laughs> so
2: intelligent. It is what that I thing I think of like I found out she's in a shed there won't be security probably, probably not a lot you dress up as a magpie I'll dress up as a North London badger if You could get also, surrounded really foxes, easily Foxes, foxes we'll dress up as foxes yes. I, stuff- Mate
0: I'm going to be an egg shaped fireplace <laughs> and, and then she'll be like She'll move you into house. In the house <laughs> What I love so much is that when women really really crush on a talented women writer it's the most purest <laughs> no. it's like nothing no one can come between this love like we, we don't care do Robbie remember, Williams could walk past you do don't remember when yeah. we
2: interviewed Ian Rankin and he said someone had had his face tattooed on him or his autograph tattooed on them and it was like a bit off But we No, but we're I think this up. might be a version of that <laughs> where if someone was to say Oh, Deborah, <laughs> Have you had that weird <laughs> Have you podcast? had a snippet of a podcast with them going oh, I'm going to pretend to be a fox and get in her house <laughs> I
1: mean, let's be clear we can never now meet Deborah. once this no, goes no, out no. that's it
0: um, Catherine, thank you so thank much Thank you so <laughs> thank much you. for coming on it was such a pleasure and thank you for recommending this amazing book Absolute pleasure listening to the Weirdos Book Club. You can find Catherine on Instagram at May underscore and you can sign up to her newsletter, The Clearing. Next week's book guest is Yellowface by R.F. Kwong.
2: You can find my novel Weirdo in all of the shops. I'm also doing personalised book plates for Christmas if you go to Fox Lane Books. And Carriad's book, You Are Not Alone, is also available.
0: And you can buy tickets for our live show coming up on the 25th of January at Foils in London. Thank you for for reading reading with with us. us. We We like like reading. reading.
2: with you. <laughs> Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at fifty dollars, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Lucy Beaumont.
0: And guess what? I'm Sam Campbell. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you might enjoy our podcast. It's called Lucy and Sam's Perfect Brains. It, we have a podcast and uh, it might be, uh, I probably don't want to sound um, you know, like I'm bragging, but it's dynamite. It is electric. It's high voltage. And please, we really need you to listen. You don't understand how much we need this.
2: Is it on all the platforms? Oh, it absolutely is. But um, yeah, this one is coming. This one's out now. Lucy and Sam's Perfect brands.